Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, Day 74. Can we talk about fantasy? Fantasy is is my my genre, or at least I think of it as such. You know, I, when I say my, I don't mean exclusively mine. I just mean the one I'm invested in. It's what I write and I love it. But I do feel a responsibility... <laughs> You know, because it's my genre, right? I feel like maybe my words, if I talk about it, um, might carry undue weight. And I'd rather you keep stay open-minded about it. So if it's okay, I'm going to hand over to one of my favourite authors, Ursula K. Le Guin, to explain what she thinks about it. Quote, What is fantasy? On one level, of course, it is a game. A pure pretense with no ulterior motive whatsoever. It is one child saying to another child, let's be dragons, and then they're dragons for an hour or two. It is escapism of the most admirable kind, the game played for the game's sake. On another level, it is still a game, but a game played for very high stakes. It is a different approach to reality, an alternative technique for apprehending and coping with existence. It is not anti-rational, but para-rational, not realistic, but surrealistic, super-realistic, a heightening of reality. Fantasy is nearer to poetry, to mysticism, and to insanity than naturalistic fiction is. It is a real wilderness, and those who go there should not feel too safe. End quote. I mean, oof! You can see why I'm terrifically fond of her, right? She makes what I do... Sounds so exciting, so vital, so important, so clever. Now, I think sometimes, occasionally, maybe, possibly, if we're being honest, fantasy writers being so used to being slightly demeaned by the literary establishment, or at least imagining that the literary establishment is cocking a snook, drop into this immediate sort of boxing stance and and start throwing punches, you know, valorising what we do as terribly important and all other authors as mere pretenders. That kind of defensiveness arises, I think, from vulnerability. And frankly, whether fantasy is revered by the literary establishment or quote-unquote taken seriously, as if that's something one would want to aspire to, doesn't really matter, at least not to me. You know, fantasy sells well, it finds readers, it finds appreciative readers, it finds the readers who need it, who love it. That, to me, is more than enough justification for its existence. But what is fantasy? Le Guin lays out an, I think, very good description of fantasy as a psychological psychological territory rather than one of mere box-ticking tropes, an alternative technique for apprehending and coping with existence. Yes, that for me is precisely it. When Tolkien writes about Frodo's long journey through war-torn lands with the ring, fundamentally that rises out of his own experiences as a soldier, where friends he left with did not make it back home, and, and those who did, in a way, couldn't quite return home either. You know, I think a lot of soldiers returning from the Great War returned to a place, or the Second World War for that matter, returned to a world that just didn't make sense to them anymore where what they'd been through didn't have any clear analogues in in the real world. You know, the idea of someone, one minute you're talking to them, the next minute their stomach has been opened up by 
automatic weapon fire and you can see their insides and they pass away in front of you that is a bizarre reality and it is part of our reality but on another level because of how we structure society we don't have this splendid intimacy with death and the nature of the world and terror and weird compressed strange things you know it's 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 an odd and disrupting thing when we do encounter those things and fantasy i think in the way Le Guin talks about it is an act of myth making but an act of myth making around individual and cultural traumas and it's an act of bridging gaps between our daily lived experience and the milieu we exist in and other parts of human experience that can seem so very far away that it's almost as if they didn't happen. I do think we're in the territory of Darko Suvin's cognitive estrangement again, actually. But I think it's a trick the author plays on themselves, too. You know, sometimes we only really discover what we're writing about once we've written it. On the other hand, let's not forget the first part of Le Guin's definition of fantasy. A game, a pure pretense with no ulterior motive whatsoever. That's really important, actually. I think that's hugely important if you're going to do it and retain the spirit and the heart of fantasy. And I think, again, it's why a lot of literary fiction authors fail when they attempt what they think is fantasy. It's okay to have fun. I think it was China Mieville who said this next thing, but I can't find a quote anywhere. I'm pretty sure I remember reading him saying it, but it was along these lines. So this isn't an exact quote, but it was something along the lines, and I paraphrase hugely, of in magical realism, a dragon might be a metaphor for the destruction of war. In fantasy, it might be a metaphor, but it's also a massive dragon. This is Le Guin's distinction, I think, between the anti-rational and the para-rational. Para meaning, in this context, outside or beyond. It's not that it doesn't make sense. Uh, it doesn't. It's not that it can't be uh, interrogated through the normal kind of like means of uh, understanding uh, things and understanding metaphors. It's just that is not in itself sufficient to get the whole thing you know that that a creature or a thing in your imagined world can be both a partial analog for a real world thing and just perfectly itself cool and engaging for its own sake is an odd duality for some readers to accept it requires a kind of squinting of the mind a strange relaxing into two non-concordant realities you can't read fantasy and expect to be able to read off perfect one-for-one metaphors it's not a code like that or at least successful fantasy isn't it's a warped and shifting pool that throws back reflections transformed and, and sometimes things that we can't see in the real world i think you can start at the fun bit you know with fantasy the game the splendid pretense i i don't think you have to have big noble metaphors in mind i think you can enter it as a world of make-believe of play as a game and trust that the art will come it always has for me anyway uh, i think 
in embracing that childlike state state of imagination actually you let your guard down you invite a dreamlike logic and things naturally creep through the unbarred gates that you're going to have to contend with later one really cool silly thing i did a while back that i really enjoyed was coming up with different magic systems so these are rules for magic in imagined fantasy worlds it might seem antithetical to wonder to you to um come up with rules for something as wild and unknowable as magic but actually i think and plenty of authors uh, agree with me this is a fairly uncontroversial position to take but like placing limits on what spells can and can't do almost inevitably generates stories really you can think of magic powers in terms of costs or limitations like in my list that i was making i suggested a world where magic costs hair when you cast a spell, it burns your hair down like a fuse. So wizards spend months growing these very long flowing beards. You may have seen them. So they've got enough power stored up to cast very, very powerful spells. If a wizard's completely bald, then presumably they can't cast anything at all. Maybe wizards get kind of like ritually shaved as a kind of punishment. Or um, that's a condition for them entering city gates to make sure they can't get up to mischief. No one wants to mess, of course, with a very hairy mage. Or another limitation might be, uh, that was a cost, a limitation might be magic doesn't affect children. What kind of world might it be if you had these very powerful mages but none of their spells worked on kids? What role do children then have in that society? It might elevate children to strangely powerful roles. Or it might mean that children or at least children with no power, with no one to advocate for them, are forced to do some very dangerous missions because they're the only people who can't be stopped or detected by wizards. So I'm going to give you a choice today of three list exercises to do with fantasy worlds. The first is the one I just suggested. Make a list of different fantasy systems. That is to say, different worlds where magic has a cost or limitation. So describe what the cost or limitation is, and then give us a little bit of a description about what repercussions might be like i was just doing just game it out a little bit and list a bunch the second is a list called unusual death conditions for the dark lord that's unusual death conditions for the dark lord so imagine the land is ruled over by a dark lord infused with arcane power he or she or they can be killed but only under certain unusual conditions think of how achilles weakness was his heel what kind of weaknesses could a dark lord have and what steps might they take to ensure that weakness was never exploited so that's another one you could be thinking of or the third option is called things found in the dragon's hoard this is an object list exercise dragons are notorious as you will well know for gathering great heaps of gold and sundry treasures to sleep upon and sometimes adventurers come to try to plunder this hoard and end up meeting a nasty end adding their own meager possessions or incredibly powerful magical artifacts to the pile what's in there what unusual objects might we find by sifting through could be mundane, could be relics with fascinating stories attached, could be magical items, could be currency from a republic that no longer exists, could be objects that aren't treasure at all but have somehow got mixed up with it. Ideally, a combination of all those different things. Give us the list. Okay, so those are your three options. I'll just repeat them one more time so you remember them. You're either going to give us a list of magic systems unusual death conditions for the dark lord or things found in the dragon's hoard remember to flesh out each one a little maybe give us some sensory details and a bit of backstory 
Does that make sense? I do hope so. If this is very uncharted territory to you, uh, first of all, I'll just remind you that you only have to do this for 10 minutes and then if you so choose, you never have to return to fantasy again. So you might as well go big. Also, I give you permission to slip the shackles of adulthood and, you know, have fun. Enjoy it. You know, this is largely, especially if you think you'll never write fantasy again. Um, this exercise is almost entirely without consequence. So, you know, really let yourself go because it doesn't matter. Enjoy yourself. You know, you deserve it. Who knows what you'll find? Remember, the aim is not perfection, but playful exploration. Embrace getting it wrong. Right. Time to settle on an option of the three. Which list would you like to do? Here we go. Ten minutes. Creating your list. Three, two, one. Go.
And that's it. Well done. You did good. If you found it hard, you did especially good because you still turned up. That is, of course, the work. Again, today is not meant to be a comprehensive education on the many forms and faces of fantasy. Just a cheeky fling, a little smudge, a little holiday romance. I'd rather leaving you wanting more than leave you wanting less. It would be a tragic outcome of this cause if I ended up turning people off reading fantasy by promoting it too enthusiastically like a dad trying to get everyone to come on a country walk. Come on, some fresh air will do you good. A lovely walk in the country, a little romp. No, Dad, leave me alone. I mean, I am implausibly a dad these days. I still only feel about 15. Maybe that's part of being alive, kids disguised as grown-ups, wishing we could go back to the days of playing dragons. Take care, won't you? Thanks. I'll see you tomorrow. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.